Welcome to the fourth episode of the Carver Johnny Podcast. I'm Johnny Carver. I'm here with Kyle Mastoloni. We're going to get right into it because everybody said our first podcast was too long. So we're going to go right into our 2K review. Kyle, tell us what happened. So I ended up winning the game 224 to 214. He was up 21 at one point in the fourth in the third quarter and I came all the way back and actually took a 21 point lead myself because he fouled me 13 13 times in the fourth quarter. How many fouls did I have the whole game? 35. It's ridiculous. He just spam, he just spams the reach button on defense. Yeah, it was not good. I'm not proud of it. So let's get into some team stats, I guess, or do you want to do box scores first? I would do team stats first. So, yeah, there was the 35 fouls. I shot 24 for 47 from three, which was actually more than he shot, surprisingly. He actually made 11 more field goals than I did. Yeah, you made 42 free throws. You went 42 for 51, and I was 16 for 19. I feel like that was the difference maker. Uh, yeah, I feel like it too. Yeah, I had uh, I had 18 three-pointers out of 34. You had more three-pointers, but I had 90 field goals. Wow. Yeah, I should not have lost that game. No, you shouldn't. But oh, you bad. know what? That That's what happens when you foul 13 times in the fourth quarter. That has to be a record. Yeah. Yeah. So, some quarter-by-quarter quarter stats. You won the first quarter 51-41. The second was actually tied at 53. Third, I won 59-52. And then the fourth, because he fouled so many times, I had a 71-point fourth quarter with 19 free throws, 8 for 10 from three. <laughs> you had... <laughs> You had 19 free throws, and I had one. <laughs> yeah, because because I don't foul. I don't reach whatsoever. Man, that's not good. And, that is not good. And look at the turnovers, too. In the fourth quarter, he had eight turnovers, which I scored 16 points off of a perfect clip. Well, I, well, I only had two. Let's just go, just go player stats. <laughs> All right, do you want me to go first? Yeah, because I lost. Yeah. yeah, all right. So uh, we'll start with Larry Bird, had 27 points, four rebounds, six assists, three steals. Uh, he was 11 for 14, five for seven from three. I should have used him a lot more. Um, made a big mistake there. All right, so then Tracy McGrady only played 15 minutes. Another guy should have played more. 24 points, three rebounds, five assists. Uh, actually didn't shoot that well from the field. He was uh, 10 for 17, one for four from three. I don't know why. He had that many points with that few amount of minutes, but all right, fair enough. All right, Kobe Bryant, 22 points in 22 minutes, six assists, nine for 11 from from the, yeah, uh, two for two from three, nine, 11 from the field. All right, keep going. Got uh, Kevin Durant, 24 minutes, 21 points, six assists, nine for 11 from the field, another guy who played well. Anthony Davis, 11 minutes, 21 points. Yeah, and you were complaining about him all game. Yeah, he only had two rebounds, but you know, nine for thirteen from the field in eleven minutes is pretty good. But yeah, he was minus fifteen. Yeah. All right, move good on. Good reason to complain. All right, so then uh, Clay Thompson, twelve minutes, twenty-one points as usual, eight for thirteen from the field, five for seven from three. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, thirty-two points. No, sorry, seventeen points in thirty-two minutes, thirteen rebounds, three assists, two steals, five blocks. Near five by five, eight for nine from the field, 
It was, like, it was a good game from him. Yeah. All right, LeBron, 20 minutes. He had 13 points. 14 assists. All right. Weird. Well, I mean, you start him at point, so. Uh, Will Chamberlain fouled out. 12 points. Eight rebounds. Four assists. Yeah, he tried to reach with Wilt Chamberlain. That's where all the fouls came from. I, I don't know why I did that. Steph, 12 points, 17 assists. He's 4 for 11 from the field. That's not good. Look at that plus minus. Minus 23. That's bad. But he had, he had 17 assists, though. That might not have been his fault. How many fouls did he have? Only three? That three. wasn't his fault. No, that, that was Chamberlain. All right. <laughs> uh, Shaq, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, Carmelo, 11 points. Three and two, keep going. All right, and then Kyrie was the only guy that wasn't in double digits. Two points, five assists, thirteen minutes. Yeah, I it was good. It was a good scoring distribution. I, he was minus eighteen. Kyrie, Kyrie was minus eighteen. In thirteen minutes. Yeah, that's bad. That's atrocious. Yeah, I made some bad mistakes here. All right, so now, so now let's get to me here. I was led the way by Vince Carter and Ray Allen, who were who had 42 and 41 points respectively. Vince Carter's line is ridiculous: 40, 42, three and nine, 11 for 19 from the field, nine for 16 from three, and a plus 12. Ray Ray Allen was actually plus 28. His plus minus was plus 28. Crazy. 10 for 16 from three, three 13 for 21 from the field. Dirk's plus minus was also 27. He had, he went 32, 9, and 6, 14 for 20. I mean, Dirk and Ray Allen just killed you, man. Um, Giannis, Giannis, 19, 9, 16, and 4. V- absurd. I mean, not much to say there. Most of it came from free throws. He was 9 for 12 from the line. I like how you have like five or six guys that their plus minuses are like in the high 20s. Yeah. I really ruined that game. You did. Oh, bad. Ma- Magic was 17, 7, and 11. How about Giannis making nine free throws? That's, uh, yeah, it's not good. Um, Bill Russell, 15 and 13, 6 for 4. Eh. Michael Michael Jordan only playing 15 minutes. I should I should probably play one of possibly the greatest player of all time a bit more. For 14 points, six for 11. Eh, maybe I shouldn't play him more. Minus yeah, I don't know. There's like minus. nothing about Michael Jordan that scares me in this game, which is really <laughs> nuts. Odd. Four dunks though. All right, Tim Duncan 14, and then we get to my well. Actually, we had a Hakeem had a bad game. Hakeem had a pretty terrible game for him. 11, 11 he only had, I was going to say he only had 10 rebounds. He yeah. usually has like 20. And then John Havlicek, 10 points. Nothing really spectacular there. We get to my walk-ons. Paul Pierce played six minutes, scored five points. He was actually the interview after the game for some reason. That was that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was strange. And then Stockton, three, three and five. And Jerry West had one point. I've been really struggling with him recently. Yeah, you might need to make a change with him and Pierce. Yeah. Let us let us know if you guys have any opinions on our rosters. We need to uh, make some changes on our 2K rosters. So, all right, this has been 2K Review. You have anything else to say? No. All right. I'm back on top. All right. Well, we, we did play another game yesterday, and I won. I should probably put that out there. Well, yeah, but that didn't count for anything because nobody heard about it. This is true. This has been 2K Review. 
All right, so now we're going to do headlines. Kyle, give me the headlines. Yeah, so we're going to start off with conference championship week and Zion's ridiculous ACC tournament. Yeah, he has officially become destination television. And was he the, not before? No, he was. But, like, <laughs> I, it's to the point where it does not matter what I'm doing. Like, I, like, there's, you know, I use the term, or a lot of people use the term destination television all the time, right? But it's beyond that at this point. It's, I'm canceling my plans. Zion Williamson is playing tonight. Like, that's where it's gotten for me. And I cannot remember very many athletes in history other than, like, LeBron in the finals where I felt like that. Yeah. Like, right. Patrick Mahomes during the regular season because I was a Chiefs fan. I mean, they're... I came. I, I I was running out of hyperboles about him. I was like, he's Bo Jackson with a vertical. He's better than LeBron at nineteen. Um, best prospect I've ever seen in my life. Like, what else can I say about him? I mean, I thought he was the clear cut number one pick of the draft at the beginning of the year. He's exceeded my expectations immensely. He's way more skilled than even I anticipated, and I was higher on him than anybody I knew. And maybe I'm still higher on him than anyone I know. I don't know. Um, I think that generationally, it's like once every 15 years you get a guy in the NBA that just changes the league. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, maybe Bill Walton could have been that guy. Um, You know, then you had Magic and Bird. Jordan, LeBron, I feel like he's the next guy, you know, yeah. and, and most of those it's about that time, too. I, I know. And, 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 you know, with, with most of those players, nobody was saying that, you know, that they weren't going to be successful ever. I mean, nobody was there. Like I had to search to, I remember one time I had a little project with myself where I tried to find somebody who wrote a negative article about LeBron as a prospect prior to going into the NBA. I found one. And it's hilarious. And it was like just one article on ESPN. It was the only one I could find. I feel like we're kind of at that point with Zion. I can't find anybody respectable that I can think of that does not think at this point that he's the number one pick in the draft. I mean, it is the Zion lottery. If any of the 30 teams, say if you threw all 30 teams in the lottery, had the number one pick, I can't imagine any of them would not pick Zion. And not only that... I'm not sure how many players in the league I would trade for that number one pick, knowing that it's the number one pick. Now, it's different trading the pick not knowing what it's going to be, but, I mean, certainly if I have the number one pick, I'm not trading him for Anthony Davis. I'm not trading that pick for Anthony Davis. Probably Giannis. It's, yeah. That's about it. <clears throat> um, Kevin Durant, if it were a longer contract. I mean, like, that's the thing. Though. Like, the contract is part of it because – you're going to have Zion Williamson for four years on a rookie-scale contract. Yeah. Making ridiculous. immediate impacts. I mean, talk, okay, talk about the ratings. That, that, was, that was something I found was really interesting. All right, so he was saying how it was destinating TV, destination television, so we found the top seven games of the college basketball season. Number one, Duke-UNC. <laughs> Number two, Duke-UNC. Number three, Duke-UNC. Number four, Duke versus Florida State in the ACC championship. Number five, the one outlier, the Big Ten Championship. Number six, Duke UVA. Number seven, Duke UVA. 
that doesn't surprise me one bit. And the Duke UNC game in the ACC tournament, I had a friend, shout out Bradley Board, who actually went to the game, and he told me before the game, he goes, tickets are $200. Do you think it's worth it for me to go? I said, yeah, you'll never forget this. I said and, I would beat him up if he didn't go. Yeah. And uh, and he went, and he there was one dunk he had where he cocked the ball back, and it was from like behind the lane and dunked it. And he texted me, he said, that dunk was worth $200. Just watching that yeah. dunk in person. And that game, by the way, was probably the best college basketball game I've ever watched, or one yeah, of them. Yeah, and, and it almost feels like, we'll get to our brackets later, but some of it is almost destiny for them to return and play each other in the national championship. Can you imagine the numbers that that would get? I know. I I think it's so much that way, destiny, that it's not going to happen. Well, yeah, and I, I, I kind of have that same idea. But then also it's like you remember Magic and Bird. It's like you have a whole tournament of, I think, 32 teams at the time, and they happen to play each other in the national championship, really. like It was perfect. Yeah. And I feel like it's just that kind of, kind of magic. No, no pun, pun intended. intended. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about them. I mean, they, they talked about um, – Somewhere on Twitter, somebody said, I think it was Darren Ravel, uh, said that Nike had like $350,000 worth of marketing the, on his first game back just showing his shoes. Yeah. Like the, the whole the whole shoe debacle actually ended up helping Nike. And you know that they're going to have a commercial once he becomes, you know, a Nike, a, a Nike-sponsored athlete, um, you know, if he does, of him – you know, with the shoe, like the indestructible Zion shoe. He's going to have his own shoe right away, I would imagine. Yeah. Which is very rare. Right. I, has that happened for a rookie? I, I, LeBron did, but it doesn't happen very often. Usually it takes time before a guy has his own shoe, but Zion's going to have his own shoe. And he might have his own shoe going into the draft. Would not surprise right. me one bit. It really wouldn't. I mean, this guy is transcendent. Here's how I knew how transcendent he was. I was in a class with international students and these are kids that are from well they're not kids they're adults they're from they're from cuba venezuela um some of them are third world countries and they don't watch a whole lot of american sports they usually watch soccer and it was an entire room of kids about 15 of us every single person in that room knew who zion was and watched him play in the acc tournament and they were like, yeah, I'm going to watch the NCAA tournament because I want to watch Zion. They all knew who he was. Girls, boys, from all different countries. Yeah. And I I just can't think of that kind of reach from very many players at his age, at least in my lifetime, which is short. I mean, again, I'm only 23 years old, but I just think that this is generational stuff going on right it's, now. It's him, LeBron, and that's about it. Yeah, in our life, yeah. I mean, I feel that strongly about it at this point. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about his game. He runs the floor like a gazelle, but I've said it's like if the gazelle were a buffalo. Um, he is basically J.J. Watt based on his body size, but uh, can play basketball very well, can jump very high. He's got Vince Carter's vertical. Um, he is very He's very smart, very skilled. I mean, that bounce pass he had in the, in the championship game, I didn't know he had that in that him. That was ridiculous. That was absolutely ridiculous. I didn't know he had that in him. I mean, I've got my dad texting me in the middle of the game with, like, a group chat with my brother, and he's like, I've never seen anything like this. My dad played college basketball at Kansas State 
um, actually played against Michael Jordan in high school. And for him to say, I've never seen anything like this kid really meant something to me. Uh, my grandfather, who uh, was friends with Wilt Chamberlain and actually guarded Wilt Chamberlain at Kansas because my grandfather, 6'11", was the only person on campus that was tall enough to guard him. So he grew up around Wilt Chamberlain. Um, or not grew up, but went to college with them, and they were decent friends at the time. Watched Wilt Chamberlain you know, throughout his career. Um, was a huge Michael Jordan fan when, uh, from when he was battling cancer. He would watch every game when he was in the hospital and um, you know, after that. And he talks about Zion Williamson. He says the same thing. It's like, I've never seen anything like this. So, you know, just at least the people around me that I really respect their basketball opinion and have, have seen a lot of great players both in person and you know, have watched just basketball in general for a long time, they're, they're telling me the same thing that I'm seeing. So I, I guess I'm not that crazy. This guy's special. Zion Williamson is special. And I, I sound like I'm insane on Twitter talking about him as much as I am. And we've now, I think we're on 10 minutes of Zion, but I could talk about him all day. It's, I could have a whole Zion podcast. So just just get, get me off of this. Give me it, another It's give me worth another talking about him for this long. All right, all right. Because yeah, he well, is the story. Yeah, he is. And, and by the way, this is the last thing I want to say. If he averages 30-plus in the NCAA tournament and leads him to the national championship, that lottery – the NBA lottery will get numbers unlike we've ever seen for a non-sporting event, sporting event. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, but the NFL draft already pretty much has that down. They they draw like seven. It's ridiculous. I I feel like there's gonna be I I feel like it's just gonna be silly numbers for the NBA draft lottery, like NBA draft actual draft numbers for the lottery itself. Yeah, but that doesn't come close to the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah, I didn't wise, even think so. about that. Yeah, I forget the NFL's king sometimes. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the other stuff because you've got some NFL headlines, right? Or no, we're gonna we're, we still got some more. We we still got more college basketball. All right, what we got? All right, so uh, so St. Mary's upset Gonzaga in the final of the WCC tournament. You okay, had some stuff you wanted to say there? Oh, I have a lot I want to say about this. Okay. So there were multiple plays that I liked. Um, so I love their big man. I, I'm, I'm running short on these names. Um, I believe he's number one. Um, and he had both a jump hook that I loved where he put his body into him. Great jump hook. Um, he had another one where it was a putback where he was like falling to the ground. And he like dove for the ball and put it back in for a layup. I mean, it was very impressive. They've also got this 6'3 guard. Um, blanking on his name as well, uh, who had a terrific un- up and under bank in. I think it was an and one. I mean, these guys offensively are so fundamentally sound. I, if they would not have drawn Villanova, I would have really liked them a lot more than I do. Now I, I was looking at that, uh, and again, we'll get into our brackets. That's the next segment, but um, they are a Cinderella type team. No matter what happens to them. This weekend, they are a Cinderella type team, and they should be very proud of who they are because um, their fundamentals are fantastic. I love their offense. They work their butts off on defense. Jeez, I mean, their man to man is strong. So, um, I'm very impressed with how they're coached. Uh, very impressed. Plus, I'm very impressed with their discipline. Um, yeah, it was a very good team. I, I really enjoyed watching them play Gonzaga. They, they. It wasn't that Gonzaga lost that game as much as it was St. Mary's took that game. Yeah. No. All right, well, what else we got? Impressive. And last for college basketball, I have the Big 12 tournament and Iowa State run. 
Yeah, Iowa State's got a lot of momentum. I, I was trying to think of teams that have more momentum than Iowa State. Duke, Oregon. obviously, number one. Um, Oregon. No. Iowa State's got more. Iowa, no. Iowa State beat Kansas in Kansas City in the Sprint Center after beating Kansas State. You're right. That's a lot. And here's the thing. Iowa State got put in the Midwest region. If they go to the Sweet 16, they're going to play in the Sprint Center again. And their fans travel. They travel well. I mean, for them they being do. a I was really seed, impressed to see how many fans were there. Oh, yeah. No, they, they outdrew Kansas fans in, in, in the Sprint Center. Like, it was extremely impressive. So, I think Iowa State, other than Duke, maybe Auburn. I mean, beating Tennessee by how much they beat them by? Uh, I don't know the number, but it, it was, was it was ridiculous. Yeah, um, I would actually say just just based on what happened, I would say Iowa State has like the second most momentum going into the NCAA tournament. I mean, maybe like I said, St. Mary's might be another one, but and I don't really know how that's going to carry. But man, they played well. They outplayed Kansas, and granted, I mean Kansas has lost like three of their best players, and you know there's a lot of things going on with Kansas that that aren't their fault, but. Iowa State's good. They're really good. They're really athletic, really talented. Um, their transition game is scary. They shoot well, especially contested. Yeah, I, I like them a lot as a team. All right, what else you got? And then, like he said, we're going to get into brackets after headlines. So next we move to the NFL and my Giants. I don't know what we're doing right now. <laughs> so last week, what did you tell me, Kyle? What did you tell me last time? Last what, episode that that we're that we're not going to trade Odell because and what did because you it's do? stupid. Why why would we trade a generational talent like that for? <sighs> You're rebuilding. That's why. I mean, look, I don't like the trade either. Is this what uh, rebuilding by then turning around and signing Golden Tate? Was it a first? Who we didn't need. It was a first, a third, and Jabril Peppers, right? Yes. I, I like Jabril Peppers. Don't get me wrong. I don't like him for Odell, though. No, I don't either. I, I thought that was the wrong trade. But, okay. I told you they'd trade him. And you and you said I was putting it on the headlines just to make you angry. I yeah. really thought they would trade him. I, I genuinely thought you were putting it on the headlines just to make me pissed off. No, I, I, and then, I, and then I it thought. And turns out we did it it's hard to have a headache on your team when you're trying to rebuild and pay him that much money but then how about how about dave gettleman saying in january we didn't resign odell to trade him well they didn't i i don't i i actually kind of believe him they got quote unquote an offer they couldn't refuse or something changed do you think that's an offer really an offer they couldn't refuse though i don't know his market if that was an offer he couldn't refuse, the Chiefs should have exceeded that offer. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> like, Any, like that's the thing that I keep thinking about is I'm like, man, you know, that's an offer they couldn't refuse, and they should have packaged, like, Hell, the Ravens firsts. have, like, no receivers. They should have. I know, yeah. I, so I don't know if I buy that. And they, they wanted to trade him, I guess, cross-conference. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't believe that the Browns can pull together. It's weird. It's weird. It's definitely weird. Um, but from a Cleveland Browns perspective, they've got a lot to be excited about, oh and I'm really happy for them. I really am. They got they got Baker Mayfield, one of the most electric quarterbacks in the league right now. I feel like Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. are going to get a house together. 
and they're gonna like get a pet Bengal tiger, and it's gonna maul one of them before a game. <laughs> And we, it's going to be a problem. We missed the perfect hard knocks by one year. Well, yeah, but um, the thing about hard knocks is, is that like the NFL at this point has to force teams to go into hard knocks. I know, but imagine if we got the Browns on hard. I know it's not possible because a new head coach. That's one of the that's one of the NFL's limitations on it. But imagine we got the Browns on hard knocks. There should be no limitations. They should just have the Patriots on it just so we can have some fun. That'd be a blast to see like what Bill. Belichick gives them, you know, which would be nothing or next to nothing. <laughs> yeah, it would be. But either way, like it whatever would be the we most get, boring season of hard knocks. I know, ever. but but whatever we get would be hilarious. All right, what else we got? So we got your Chiefs signed the hunt, signed the Honey Badger. Yes, they did. Tyron Matthews, who's already ingratiated himself in the community quite a bit. So Les Miles took the KU job. He's already gotten in touch with him. People were giving him trouble on. Uh, Twitter because he was saying he's in the same state as Les Miles, even though the Chiefs are technically in Missouri. It's like, okay, Kansas City is in Kansas, and it's also in Missouri. It's weird. People need to get over that. Like, it's it's very strange. Like, people who are from Kansas City get really mad that people don't understand that it's in both states. Now, like, I wish people understood that, but every single time I run into that issue at law school because there's, like, a lot of law cases from Kansas City and they're really confused as to like why they're in different states or whatever. I'm never upset with people. I'm like, yeah, this is this is weird. It's weird. There's it's, a Kansas City, Kansas, and there's a Kansas City, Missouri. It's very dumb. It's it's strange, yes. It's divided by a river and for some reason we decided to divide the state between the two. Whatever. Okay. Um I mean like sometimes in Kansas City, because that's where I grew up, I mean I was home this past weekend and I remember asking my dad, I'm like, are we in Kansas or Missouri? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, we were on State Line Road, and we didn't know what state we were in. So, you know, that happens. But anyway, uh, there was some other stuff that happened with the Chiefs, right? They uh, they traded D. Ford. They released Justin Houston, who is one of my all-time favorite Chiefs, and uh, I wish him the best. Can't believe they couldn't get anything for him on the trade market. That really surprised me. I know... You know, it, it, perhaps it was because they knew that, you know, the Chiefs were going to release him anyway. But uh, still, that's kind of sad to see. I, I think he, uh, you know, at one point he led the NFL in sacks, I believe. So I think it was only two or three years ago. And they also uh, released Eric Berry, who has been a pillar of our community uh, in Kansas City, you know, battling cancer, coming back and being the comeback player of the year for the NFL. Um, it was really sad to see his injury issues and, how that's plagued him, and, and I knew with the Tyrone Matthews signing that you know Eric Berry was probably either going to be sidelined or he was just going to be released. So um, at least he'll get another opportunity somewhere else, and it would not upset me at all if he absolutely dominated with another team and, and proved the Kansas City Chiefs wrong, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure it really proved him wrong. I mean, it's, it's a good financial decision for the Chiefs to do this, but... Um, no, I don't know. Best of luck to him. He's one of my favorite all-time Chiefs players as well. So, uh, another thing about the Chiefs, I know you're going to get to it, is Tyree Kill. Yeah. Uh, so there was a, a report, uh, actually two separate reports. One was about child abuse, and one was about uh, the breaking of his uh, three-year-old's arm. The only thing I'm going to say about this right now, because there's not a lot of information out there yet, it seems as if all of the reports from the police involve the mother of the child and not Tyree kill at all. Having said that, 
given his past, I'll let you Google it yourself, the benefit of the doubt is not exactly something he's earned, just from a public perspective. So I can understand why people reacted initially the way that they did. But, you know, based on the information we have at the moment, it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that will um, hinder the relationship between the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. But it is interesting because, you know, from a football perspective, and obviously this is second to, um, by far to, uh, you know, the safety of his family and, and his child and everything. Um, the Chiefs look like they're trying to save cap in order to perhaps give him an extension. I mean, it seems like all the moves that they've made is to, uh, you know, make room for a large extension for Tyree Kill where he could be perhaps the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. I'd be curious to, I'll, I'll be very curious to see um, how and if that changes, you know, following this whole incident and, uh, you know, what kind of protections they give themselves with that signing. Yeah, and it seems like they're shedding, like, their entire defense pretty much they're not done they've there's something there's something they're doing i don't know what it is i mean they're, they're changing their defensive scheme entirely i don't know that if it's going to be them drafting all defensive players in the draft and just staying young i don't know if there's another signing coming um whatever it is they still need help at corner <laughs> That's for sure. yeah, oh, they, yeah. they need some corners um but uh you know we'll see we'll see what else you got and then, so we got Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. I don't know. Is there anything? Is this really... a story? I don't really have anything to say about it, other than yeah. like he, he got his bag. I, I, I don't. I still don't understand why he sat out last season. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something. He got out, and congratulations, you've joined the New York Jets. <laughs> okay. So Antonio Brown traded to the Raiders. I told you last week what I felt about that uh, that that blonde mustache. He showed up late to the press conference. Something's off, man. They need to they need to make sure they've they've got him under control, and hopefully John Gruden does. <laughs> of all people to try to, well, I guess he can keep somebody under control, but I mean he had Keyshawn he's Johnson. Just a, he's just as crazy as Antonio Brown is. John Gruden. Eh. No, he's football crazy. He just loves that, being that's in the what film I mean. room, He's right? football crazy. Look, I mean, Antonio Brown might be committed to football, and he might have another great season. I mean, he had a great season last year. There's no indication that he's not. I, I don't like the comments that he made about his former quarterback. I think he's gonna they're going to come back to haunt him. Um, I thought it would have been really funny if he were traded to the Bills like it was initially reported because talk about balls being thrown over your head. That was the worst quarterback to play for for that, Josh Allen. But, um, you know, with the, <laughs> with the Raiders, you know, long term, you don't exactly know who your quarterback's going to be. I know that there's some uncertainty there with Derek Carr. Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know enough about the situation with the Raiders other than the fact that I know they're cash poor and they can't, like, actually sign people. And that they're off. actually staying in Oakland for the next year or two officially. How strange is that? Wow. That's a weird situation. Yeah. I'm glad to have them in our division in their current state as a Chiefs fan. All right, continue. What else you got? And finally, the funniest NFL story. The Dolphins signed Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback. He's still cycling around the league. I love it. Welcome to Miami. Fitzmagic, baby. Yeah. You know what's crazy about it? Well, first of all, Bill Belichick has just got to be laughing every time these signings happen for quarterback. <laughs> Second of all, it, it is division. It's just, it's been horrible. Second of all, I could see him winning like an eight or nine games, right? Just out of nowhere. 
Well, the thing is, he seems to have a pattern where he has an amazing first two or three weeks and then just goes sharply downhill from there. Okay. It's, it's a, Nothing they do would surprise me. It's a pattern with, this, with Fitzpatrick. I mean, at least you have an adult in the locker room. That's good. Yeah. You have to be an adult to handle Miami properly. I've always said, don't, don't move to a coastal city without a plan. That man's got a plan. He's an adult. An adult that sometimes dresses up like Conor McGregor at press conferences, but still, it's, still an adult. He's still an, uh, an adult at mind. So yeah, yeah, he's I he's built you. for Miami. He'll be all right. What else we got? And then so in baseball, Mike Trout is rumored to be signing a ridiculous twelve years, four hundred thirty million extension. How about that? One hundred million dollars more than Bryce Harper for one less year. He basically signed for the amount of the Louisiana purchase if it were adjusted for inflation. So, like, basically he's signing for the same amount as we purchased, like, what, half of our states of this country? A lot of them. Well, wait, it's not just the Louisiana purchase. It's Arkansas, Alaska, Colorado, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Louisiana, New Mexico, North Dakota, South Dakota, Texas, and Wyoming. All right, this is speaking from somebody who was born in Kansas and went to Arkansas for college. There's only one of those states that people in general would like to visit. <laughs> I think it's Texas. So, so I mean... Having said that, it's still absolutely ridiculous. Parts of Texas. Okay, part. It's just parts of Texas. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say like the entire Texas. That's a big. That's a big deal. That's something. But yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a lot of money. That's um, that's some fu money, as I as I like to call it. All right. What else we got? So then we have the NBA. So the Lakers have been given giving LeBron a minutes restriction. Who would have thought we'd be here? Um. I have to admit I was wrong. I thought the Lakers were going to be a three seed. Now, I did not expect the LeBron injury, which I do believe has had a major impact on the team. Now, would they be, I don't know, five seed, four seed? Yeah, probably. They wouldn't be a three. I thought that they were just going to brisk through the season. I thought that they were going to click more than they did, much more than they did. Well, they didn't click at all. Right, exactly. Um I expected more of LeBron as a leader. I talked about that last week. I'm not going to harp on it. I don't know. I, I really, I'm kind of at a loss of words. Uh, when you look back at, I mean, some of the signings from their veterans, I, I never, I never liked their veteran signings, but I was like, it might just be crazy enough to work. It was, it was definitely not something I would do personally. Um, but they're just going to have to do a lot of self-reflection because they've got a lot of space this summer and uh, they've got pretty much a clean slate. So, they have to make new decisions all over again. I can't even say they necessarily wasted a year of LeBron's career because hopefully it will have helped him in his growth as a leader. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully he learns from this year a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, and another thing is uh, it sounds like Brandon Ingram's going to return to the court next year. Um, you know, and his blood clot situation is, is not anything like Chris Bosh, you know, as we know now. Um, it seems like it's going to be something where he's going to have a, he, he had a surgery and he's going to recover and he'll be back on the court next year. That's great. Um, I don't know what that does to his trade value. It'll be interesting because I know that that's 
that's the only way they're going to be able to build if they can't sign somebody. So, I don't know. This is going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons for a team I can ever remember. And not just this one, but the next one, too. Because, I mean, if they don't sign anybody, that's it's not a good look. And that's a weird... It's going to be a weird mark on LeBron's legacy to go to L.A. like he did and, and not get anybody to come. Yeah, do a lot of stars really want to play with him anymore? I don't know. We'll find out. Exactly. Seriously, that's the thing. Like, we, LeBron's never really had a chance to recruit in like full on in free agency like this ever. I mean, they Cle- I mean maybe early on in his career, I'll take that back. He did in Cleveland. But I mean, in Miami, they built a team with three guys going to one place and that was it. Then he goes back to Cleveland. They built via trade with Kevin Love and then they didn't have any space. And then he goes to Los Angeles and last summer it was kind of a wash because you know, Paul George had already made his decision by the time he got there. And they had a plan in place to to wait until net, you know the following summer. So this is it. This is his chance. He says that he wants to recruit. He's been very adamant about that. He's been very vocal about it. So let's see. Let's see if people want to play with LeBron James. So then LeBron also just led led me to my favorite moment of the college, of the NBA season so far. Mario Hazonia blocking LeBron on a potential game winner. Just just hang the banners up in New York now. Hazonia blocks LeBron, and then the date of that game. Question. Um, that picture of him pointing and laughing at LeBron while he's kneeling, is that real? <laughs> is that a real picture? I'm honestly not sure. I'm not sure if it is either, but if it is, that is I, that is hilarious. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to harp on LeBron here because, I mean, Jordan got blocked at the end of games before. Like, whatever, it happens. It's still just a really funny picture. <laughs> and, and honestly, it was just really fun to see the garden that hyped again. That was that was the first time just in a, a long moment. time, especially this season, that the garden had like any energy. Imagine if Zion is in New York next year. Zion, you mean Zion Durant and Kyrie Irving, all three of them? It's not impossible. <laughs> I, I could only dream, right? It's probably gonna be like it's probably gonna be like Kemba Walker. Could anything and, better happen in the NBA? No. Exactly. Alright, move on. What else we got? Um, so there was a few injuries in the league, so Mal- M- Malcolm Brogdon is out. Yeah, I don't know what kind of impact this is gonna have. Um, other than Eric Bledsoe is gonna have to take on full point guard duties. We'll see if that impacts them in the playoffs. I know last year he didn't play well in their series, but this is a totally different team. Hopefully he's back in time for maybe, the I believe, like the second round because he's going to be out six weeks. Um, I don't know how much this will impact them or not. I don't see them as a favorite to win the East regardless of how they've played in the regular season. So to me, I don't know how much of a difference it's really going to make, but it's something. What else you got? Um, C.J. McCollum as well. But yeah, so C.J. McCollum's out with an injury I cannot per- pronounce. And I saw it, and I was like, if I can't pronounce it, it cannot be good. But then Woj followed up with, this is great news. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I have no idea what that injury was. Popolitis strain? Okay. That That's how now I, I Okay, it. so I heard I about this. So Kevin Garnett, I think in 2009 came back for like a brief 10-game stretch after being out for a couple weeks, and then he missed all of the playoffs. So I'm really worried about that. 
I may have the year wrong, but regardless, that's it's a thing. Keep my eye on it. Um, CJ McCollum is a guy that can score 23 points per game uh, or whatever it is. It's in the 20s with another guard in his backcourt that is among the league leaders in scoring. You know, that's pretty impressive, especially given the fact that, you know, I talk about a lot with the Blazers that they set a lot of ghost screens. They don't uh, free guys open and they don't do enough to um, give themselves enough movement to, uh, you know, free guys um, in a position where they can, you know, give them opportunities to score. I mean, they have to create those opportunities themselves. And CJ McCollum is a great player for that. I mean, he's really good at creating his own shooting opportunities. So he's really important for them. It'd be interesting. And then last NBA story, Giannis dropped 52 the other night. Yeah, and he made it look easy, too. It's crazy. And then he screamed in uh, in Ben Simmons' face, and he called him a baby. And then Simmons dunked on him. You can't do that, man. And then you and then they lost. Yeah. You can't you can't do that. You can't if you're gonna call somebody a baby, you gotta follow it up. That's like a, that's like announcing like not only am I whooping your ass now, I'm going to whoop your ass the rest of the game. So you gotta hold on to that. I'm not sure. I don't think that was the same game because I, I missed both. Unfortunately, I just saw the highlights, but um, I think it actually was a different game if I remember correctly. But man, you gotta. Got to follow that up. But anyway, Giannis has looked great. Um, this MVP race is is really interesting. It's two different thought processes. It's, you know, the 35 points per game from Harden. I think that that should be enough, especially yeah. holding, you know, holding the three seed in the in the Western Conference with all their injuries. And I mean, that ridiculous, impressive. the ridiculous scoring streak he went on. Right. Or, you know, the, the balance statistics, the impressive balance statistics of of Giannis, as, as well as them um, improving to be the best team in the East. I would vote Harden. I, I bet you there's a lot of votes, you know, toward Giannis, and it'll be a close race. But I feel like you should be getting more, like... It should be talked about a lot more this MVP race than it is. I don't know why it is. Maybe just because March Madness is coming up and yeah. and it'll be the talk after it. I don't know, but um, I don't know. And that that'll be interesting. You got anything else? And then NBA honors doesn't come till after the playoffs. So like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah and that's weird. I, I I've never liked that. So then, last thing I had to sneak in there in a moment that could potentially define the college football season. Tate Martell, Miami's potential future quarterback, got granted a waiver today to be able to play next season. I am very excited to go to Miami games next year. Yeah. Very excited. He, he's a quarterback that kind of just embodies Miami, too, because he just has that attitude and has that swag about him that if he could bring that out. And, the off, and it seems like the offense has a lot more motion based on what I'm hearing from spring practices. Well, and, and Coach Manny Diaz has really brought back that Miami swagger in a way that hasn't been done since the last championship run. Yeah, we talked we talked about the story of him going up to Orlando the other the other I love podcast. It. I it's love ridiculous. it. I love it. Like college football, all these sports are supposed to be fun. Have fun with it. And that's what they're doing. They're having fun with it. Yeah. And I don't know, it's gonna be a fun season for Miami. Like if they lose all of their games, it's still gonna be fun. For me, at least. I know it won't be that's, for you. But. That's not going to happen, though, because I'm pretty sure we're going to be favorites in all of our games again. Florida? Florida up there. Florida might be the only one we're underdogs in. 
You got a decently easy schedule. I mean, when you look at the schedule, it's it's ridiculous. All right, Kyle, throw your UFC thing in. We got time. All right, so so in UFC, um, first in the main event, Jorge Masvidal knocked out Darren Till. And there was actually a bit of a fight backstage during Masvidal's post-fight interview. Um, Leon Edwards, come, you guys probably don't know who any of these people are, but but I'll lead with their names, Come, comes out comes out of nowhere, tries to interrupt his interview, starts screaming across the hall to him, and then Masvidal just walks over with his hands behind his back and then trying... He claims that he was trying to show that he didn't want to cause a problem, but it was obviously not true because he went over and he threw a, th- a three-punch combo at him and then... Bloodied, it, bloodied him up, and then afterwards, he actually described it. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time. I gave him the three-piece with a soda. <laughs> Man, UFC's fun. Like, I, imagine if every commissioner like acted the same way that Dana White does, especially during like press conferences. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing I've always thought about. Like, like what if Adam Silver, like during his All-Star Game press conference, like, Came in with the mentality of Dana White. He pretty much just attacks journalists during his press conference. Well, I mean, that's not great. That's not, that's not as really what I was I talking know. about. That's, that's probably not his strongest skill. But you're, you're talking about the fact that he's pretty open in his press conferences. Oh, extremely. Well, compared to other commissioners, he's actually gotten less open recently with the, with the whole WME endeavor owning the company now. Right. But... He's he's still much more open than any other commissioner. In, in whatever any he sports, whatever leagues. he does works. So, yeah. all right, this has been headlines. All right, so now it's time to talk about our NCAA tournament brackets, where both of us will probably mostly be wrong, but really excited for the NCAA tournament again this year. Kyle, first thing I want to talk about is any snubs. Do you have any issues with the NCAA tournament committee seedings, teams that were left out, anything? I think they did a great job this year. I thought they did a really good job with who was in and who was out. Um, one thing I thought they would do, and I was among the minority here, I thought they would throw Texas in. You know, like as one of those, like Syracuse gets in every other year <laughs> when they absolutely shouldn't. Love it. Texas hasn't made the tournament in a long time. On Ken Palm, I think they're still in like the top 30. I thought they would get in. I'm not mad about it. I- I'm certainly not mad. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought that they would probably make it. I was surprised to see TCU out as well. The things I had problem with problems with were seeding. For example, Kansas getting the Midwest region and being in Kansas city for the sweet 16, the elite eight. Now I'm not going to make it that far. Well, we'll see. Here's the thing. That's the real problem with it. And it's not necessarily the committee's fault. Each host site has a college, a Division One team that's attached to it. And for the Sprint Center, which is in Kansas City, their host team is not KU, which is 35 miles away. It's UMKC, which is technically closer, but it's never made the NCAA tournament. It's cheating. It is. It's ridiculous. And they get to play at the Sprint Center. Like, it's all good. And that's not the only school I have that problem with. I mean, like, the fact that North Carolina gets to play in Raleigh is pretty ridiculous, too. Yeah. You know, like they're like they should be a little more diligent about. There, there should be multiple host teams. Syracuse played at MSG one year. Yeah, it's just that's ridiculous. 
Uh, that one's a little better because at least it's three hours, right? Yeah, and and St. John's is technically a home team at Madison Square Garden. Right, exactly. I mean, Kansas City, the majority of their fans are in, you know, for KU, they're in Kansas Doesn't City. Doesn't KU play a home game in Kansas City? Right, year? they play in the Sprint Center multiple times per year, and then the Big 12 tournament, so they're absolutely ready for it. Now, does Iowa State play better in the Sprint Center than Kansas City? Possibly, and they're in the same bracket, you know, but... Because Iowa State fans travel really well. But still, it's just it's just the principle of it. I had a problem with that. Um, you know, I, I heard Scott Van Pelt make the point that it didn't seem like the NCAA, or excuse me, the conference tournaments didn't seem to matter very much. You didn't see a lot of seed movement based on conference championship. That I will agree with. I was shocked Michigan State wasn't a one. Right. I mean, it's like Iowa State being a six, really. I mean, they beat Kansas State and Kansas in back-to-back games on back-to-back days and then how about michigan state just getting absolutely screwed too? oh that yeah having to be in duke's bracket about. yeah despite winning their conference like, that's ridiculous yeah i don't know there's a bunch of stuff like that that i didn't really like but overall look it's a really tough job they have to start from scratch we get good matchups in the end it's the worst possible way to determine a champion but it's the best possible way to watch sports Yes. So it's a terrible idea and a great idea all in one. And I wouldn't change it for the world. So that's my thought on it. All right. So let's talk about our brackets. How do we want to do this? I think the best way to do this for our viewers, listeners, would be to do our sweet 16s. And if I hear anything that surprises me, I'm going to ask you how they got there. All right. So we're going to start with your, your East region. Who is your... Sweet 16. You'll have four teams. Who are they? Sweet 16. All right. So we got Duke. Yep. Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, the winner of this Belmont and Temple first four game. Okay. And Michigan State. All right. So tell me, who who do you have uh, in that Belmont game before? You have LSU versus who? I have... I have LSU versus Belmont. Okay, and then you have Belmont beating LSU. I have Belmont beating Maryland and Belmont beating LSU. This is just assuming that, well, this is actually, we have it on live. It's 27-27 right now, but any I other, think Belmont's going to win. So Any other upsets in that region? Um, This region, I'm actually mostly, mostly chalk on. I have Minnesota over Louisville in the Patino Bowl. The Patino Bowl. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like it. All right. So my Sweet 16 is Duke, Virginia Tech, Yale, and Michigan State. Excuse me? Yale. I know LSU. Yale is very good. And and not only that, I almost picked Yale to go to the Elite Eight, and I didn't do it. Have you watched them play this year? Yes, I saw them kill Miami. Their offensive sets are ridiculous. Great shooting team. I love everything about them. There, I just think I just think LSU has the talent to get by them. LSU's got a lot of they, stuff going on. They got a lot of problems. They got a I lot know, of problems going on. Immediate exit in the SEC tournament. I, their their minds not with it. Yale is such a smart team. They don't make they just don't make very many mistakes. And then I, I have them beating the winner of Belmont Temple. I, I could easily see the winner of this game, which is actually going on in the background right now. So we don't know the winner of the game, and it's tied. So it's thirty to twenty seven actually. Belmont. You know, whoever that is, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them beat Yale, but I feel pretty comfortable with this region. This is the region that I am willing to hang my hat on the most. Now, I actually had Liberty beating Mississippi State as well. 
Liberty is a really good basketball team. That's an upset that a lot of people are talking about. Right, yeah. There's a, there's, I mean, because every year you have at least one 12 beating a 5. Yeah. It's, I, it's like the most common. Because what it is is it's usually a decent to poor power 5 versus a really, really good mid-major. And that is a recipe for disaster. But anyway, so I have Duke, Virginia Tech, Yale, Michigan State. All right, so give me your Elite Eight in that region. My Elite Eight in that region is Duke and Michigan State. Me too. And you have who in the Final Four? Who do you think? Duke. Duke for me as well. All right, so now we're going to go down to the West region, which would be below the East region. Oh, this is a fun one. All right, so you give me your... Sweet 16. The, this is the one that I think goes absolutely crazy. So my sweet 16 is Syracuse. Yep. Florida State. Yep. Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And Michigan. <laughs> Do we have the same sweet 16? I will read mine. Syracuse, Florida State, Buffalo, and Michigan. Now, granted, wow. Kyle and I did not talk about our brackets before we did them. I know I posted mine online, but Kyle did his bracket before I did mine and he didn't show me. So how it work how I do it is I do it like an hour after selection Sunday, take like it take like an hour, an hour and a half and do it and don't change it. Okay. Any any other ups I mean we'll talk about the upsets that are obvious, like for example, Buffalo beating Texas Tech. Yeah. I like that Texas Tech team a lot, by the way. That tells you how much I love Buffalo, who plays at one of the fastest paces in in all of college basketball. I absolutely love Buffalo. Yeah, They're I do one too. One of my favorite teams in the tournament. Right, and um, so any other upsets in that in that division? Syracuse over Gonzaga. Right. Okay, and you had Syracuse over Baylor. I guess that's not really an upset. It's not. Um. um okay, I, so Syracuse. Let's talk about them for a minute because you and I watch a lot of Syracuse. I went up to Syracuse this year and watched Syracuse kick the crud out of Miami. Um. The thing about them is if their shot's on, they can beat anybody in the country, and we saw that against Duke. And their zone gives people fits in the NCAA tournament. Problem is, if their shot isn't on, they're in trouble. So I am betting on them to shoot well against Gonzaga and give them problems with their zone. Yeah, because Gonzaga's not used to seeing a zone like Syracuse. It's it's that thing to where people outside of the conference really struggle with the zone. Right. So here was a here was a game that I really struggled with. So I have Murray State being Marquette. As do I. I feel pretty good about that. Do we have like the same round of thirty two? <laughs> I think we. I bet we do. Oh my god. Okay. So do you have I have Florida over Nevada. No, that's the only one I don't. I have Nevada right. over Florida. Um, I've watched a lot of Nevada this year. I like Nevada a lot. That's that's crazy, by the way. So so we only have one game different, but. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So this this Murray State-Florida State matchup, I sat there and tried to figure this one out for a long time because Ja Morant could give Florida State some fits. I know that they have a ton of length. This one's obvious to me. Okay. It's obvious to you. I, I picked Florida State, and, and it, it took me a while to figure it out. But Florida State had an incredible year. Mm-hmm. They're one of the best teams in what well, what I think is the hardest conference in the country. You you're not, you're not alone that, there. That's but, absolutely true. All right, so then your Elite Eight is what? My Elite Eight is Florida State and Buffalo. Mine is Florida State and Michigan, and I almost did exactly what you did with Buffalo. Now, my thought is Buffalo made it happen last year against Arizona. Yeah. It's hard to do it twice. But this year, this year there are six. It's not like they're doing it twice again. It's not like they're 13. Yeah, they got the experience too. I mean, they didn't just beat Arizona last year. They, they outplayed them. 
It was impressive. So who's your final four team then? My final four team is Florida State. Me, me as well. So we have the same first two final four teams. Our our brackets look pretty similar. This is amazing. <laughs> All right, so let's go up to the South region, which would be in the top right corner for those of you who aren't looking at a bracket. Um, give me your Sweet Sixteen. All right, my Sweet Sixteen is UVA, okay. Wisconsin, got it, Purdue, okay, and Cincinnati. Interesting. All right. Well, we do have something that's quite different. So this, mine is Virginia, Wisconsin, St. Mary's, and Tennessee. Ah, you took St. Mary's. I took St. Mary over Villanova. And what's funny is like every other bracket I've done, because I do multiple brackets, because there's a lot of things I, I, I you know, I circle the, the games that I struggle with and I'll do other brackets where I, I go the exact opposite way with that one game. Um, that's one, Villanova. I could see Villanova making it all the way to the Final Four. Wouldn't surprise yeah. me one bit. That St. Mary's team, I love them so much. And I love that Villanova team, too. I, I really That that was the hardest matchup for me it's, on this entire bracket. It's the best matchup in the first round. I, I think do, so, too. I, I have St. Mary's winning that game, but I have them losing to Purdue. I haven't beaten Purdue. Uh, I just don't think they have the athletes to beat Tennessee. So I have Tennessee, Virginia. I can't imagine Virginia in the Elite Eight or making it any, you know, and they're going to make it to the Elite A is what I'm trying to say. Um, one team that's a real tragedy is Kansas State losing Dean Wade. They are, in my opinion, a top three most talented team in college basketball. And they have the athletes that I think they're going to make it, uh, they're going to make it past UC Irvine. <laughs> and you don't have, I'm sure you don't, you don't have that. Yeah, I picked UC Irvine. Interesting, interesting. They almost beat Iowa State a week ago without Dean Wade. If Dean Wade were able to to make it, if they were able to get past like Wisconsin or Oregon, because that that game could go either way too. A lot of people like Oregon because of their momentum. I struggle with the fact that they don't have Bobel, and I just don't they think they have the post presence. And and uh, I like Wisconsin a lot. Wait. If Kansas State can get past Wisconsin and they have Dean Wade against Virginia, I'm not riding off Kansas State. And by the way, we were talking about teams with momentum going into the tournament. UC Irvine has won 16 straight games. Yeah, but who they beat? They've beaten St. Mary's at St. Mary's. Okay, okay, that's that's interesting to me. I would not be surprised to see Kansas State lose their first game. I've said that many times. Would not surprise me one bit. Also wouldn't surprise me to see Kansas State all the way in the Elite Eight. So, And by the way, this is like the Slowpokes region as well. Mo- like half the teams in here play super slow. You yeah, see- it is interesting. And then you have Tennessee who plays really fast. Fast wins in the tournament, typically. That's why Virginia struggled in the tra- tournament. So I picked slow over fast. I picked Cincinnati over Tennessee. I, I'll, uh... You don't like I don't that very much I now. I like it, but I don't change it. Okay. All right. So your, your Elite Eight is who? My Elite Eight is the the game of the Slowpokes, Virginia versus Cincinnati. Now, if, if that's the game, then Virginia's winning it. Yeah, I have Virginia winning it. Okay, so I have Tennessee because I think Virgi- I think Tennessee could run Virginia out of the gym with their with their tempo. Um, okay, so we've got that region down. So your so your Final Four right now, you've got Duke, Florida State, and Virginia minus yeah. Tennessee. Okay, so then we're gonna go to the last region. Okay, so Midwest. Yeah, the Midwest. All right, you start. Give me your Sweet Sixteen. 
Okay, North Carolina. Uh huh. Auburn. Okay. Houston. Yep. And Kentucky. Very chalk there. Yeah, you went. You went pretty chalk there. Yeah. Um. So I have North Carolina. I have Kansas. Nobody else I know has Kansas, but a Kansas team is still decently good. Auburn has all the momentum. Kansas is down like all their best play. If I had to pick, this is going to sound strange to a lot of people. If I had to pick a coach for the NCAA tournament, Bill Self is on my top five list. And a lot of people would disagree <laughs> with that because of their historical struggles with first round games. But he is one of the best X's and O's teams in the country. If you watch them come out of timeouts, especially in inbound plays, they're very successful. So, Auburn, Kansas, I don't really know why I picked Kansas to win that game. I don't really know. I think I just went with my gut. I don't really have a good answer for you, other than Kansas does still have the athletes to compete with Auburn. Their struggle is going to be with their big men. I don't know, man. Kansas had just poor enough of a year that they're going to pull. It just reminds me so much of 2012. In 2012, Kansas had the worst team they've had in, in like 10 years or whatever it was, and then all of a sudden they made it to the Final Four. I don't really have a good reason for it. Like, I just didn't really know how to dissect that Auburn-Kansas game. It was one of my hardest matchups. But anyway, I've got North Carolina and Kansas. And then the other two, um, Iowa State and Kentucky. I do not know how you have Houston beating Iowa State. There's a few things on here I might need to rethink, but... I'm I'm confident in Houston winning that game. Fair enough. Okay. So then your lead eight is who? My lead eight is Auburn. You you might be shocked at this because of my extreme ACC bias. Auburn and Kentucky. Well, I got, think I think Auburn's riding their momentum to the elite eight. I have North Carolina and Iowa State. Iowa State plays better in Kansas City than any other team. Well, I don't I don't have Iowa State getting there. Okay, yeah, that's true. Right, so you didn't have them in the Sweet 16. If yeah. Iowa State makes it to the Sweet 16, their fans are going to travel to Kansas City because they do. <laughs> oh, they will. Yeah, they will. They will. That'll be uh, that'll be a red and blue uh, arena with Kansas and Iowa State if it were to go down the way that I expected. And actually, if Kansas got a piece of North Carolina with Roy Williams playing against Kansas, their former coach. Yeah, I know. That could get ugly. The game could get ugly. Kansas, we have to remember, Kansas has beaten a lot of good teams this year. Yeah. So, like, it's not inconceivable that they could beat North Carolina if they were to get past Auburn. I I think it would it would be difficult for me to feel like they could get past Auburn and North Carolina. So I didn't do it. But it wouldn't be inconceivable to me to see them in the Elite Eight. And if they're in the Elite Eight, they're not losing to Iowa State again. It's just not <laughs> happening. They would end up in the final four, which would just be ridiculous. All right, so your final four is, if I remember correctly, Duke, Florida State, just yeah. like me. So a one and a four. Then you have Virginia as a one. Yeah. And who's your last one? Kentucky. And Kentucky, who's a two. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go with the left side of the bracket first. You've got Duke, Florida State. Who wins that game? Duke. Of course. Yeah, Duke too. And then I have Tennessee and North Carolina. You have... Virginia. You, you might and be Kentucky. shocked at this. I have I have Virginia going to the national championship. That doesn't shock me. I think this is one of the best Virginia teams ever. No, no. I mean, they can shoot like crazy. They defend well. If they control the pace, like it's their game. 
but I struggle with teams with slow pace in the NCAA tournament. I've always picked brackets that way. I've always done decently well. So I'll ride with that. I normally don't ride with Virginia this deep, but this this year I think this team's just different. I have North Carolina in the national championship. You have Duke, North Carolina. I have Duke, North Carolina in the national championship. I think they're the two best teams in the country. I think that North Carolina would have a good matchup against Tennessee because they can match them with athletes. I think they have the same amount of scores. You know, I'm not going to say that they can match with them with athletes because Tennessee might be the most athletic team outside of Duke in the country. Um, and then my national champion, I'll just say it, it's Duke beating North Carolina. Yeah. I don't think there's any way Duke loses to North Carolina in particular. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just looking through the bracket. First of all, you tell me who your national champion is. Who do you think? It's Duke. Yeah. Right. Who has the best chance to beat Duke? Let's see. I do not believe it's Michigan State. Not UVA, not Florida State, not Michigan State. Uh-uh. It's really hard. How about if Liberty made it to the Sweet 16? Maybe Virginia Tech? They beat them, they beat them already, but that was without Zion. Yeah. <laughs> Yale. <laughs> <laughs> How about Yale? <laughs> no. Um, in, in all seriousness. Uh, yeah, no. I, I don't know. And, and, I, and it wouldn't be like Buffalo. Boy, here's, here's a funny one. What if Syracuse made another one of their infamous Final Four runs? And we get Syracuse Duke again. Yeah, and they just can't handle that zone. I could see that. I, I seriously could see that. Like both of those things, like would not. Well, they already stun handled me. the zone twice at this point. Syracuse, didn't the first time. Syracuse beat them once. Yeah. Then Duke beat them without Zion. Then beat them with Zion. Yeah, but you're playing another one. I don't know. I, I, know. I think when I think when things get tough, it is hard to deal with that zone, because every shot you get is wide open. It's like you better make it. I I better agree. Make it. Try- Trust me, and daring this Duke team to shoot can work. Right, exactly. So they're the worst three-point shooting team of all teams in the field. So that, that was the thing I was trying to look for, is like who could outshoot Duke to the point where they could really struggle. And I just think they have the athletes to just pull right through this thing. I don't think Florida State's going to give them that many problems. If they, no. if they play Florida State, I think they'd blow them out. Yeah. Um. I th- if Syracuse a, could be a problem. If there's a team shooting. that could outshoot them, I mean UVA, too. Texas Tech. I'm talking about people who they might. Well, oh yeah, no. If they play UVA in the national title game, I might feel differently. You'll have to ask me then what I think. Yeah, I mean, cause because there's a lot of teams on the left side, on the right yeah. side of the bracket. I think Duke got a great draw for them. I mean, they did. They really did because they don't have to deal with a lot of great shooting teams. Um, Trying to, I mean, I'm just looking through this bracket. Iowa State could give them huge problems. Iowa State really could. I again, I'm not saying I think they'll make it that far, at all. I think Wofford could give them issues. I think Kentucky could give them issues. Yeah, I know that. They, I know they struggled. Or Duke beat Kentucky by a lot of points earlier in this year, but that was a long time ago. Kentucky's grown since then. Oh yeah, tremendously, just like they do every year. So yeah. Anyway, um, once again, Final Four for me is Duke, Florida State. And then I have uh, two Tennessee and one North Carolina. So I have two ones, a two and a four. That would follow the uh, gambler's advice that we you both usually have get. That. Yep. And and uh, and you have, uh, say your final four one more Duke, time. Duke, Florida State, UVA, and Kentucky. And your final is Duke, UVA, and you have Duke winning that game. Yeah. 
let me tell you this. If that were the national championship, I might pick UVA just because of the shooting. Just, I could see it. Here's another team that Duke could really struggle with. If they played Villanova in the national title game. Villanova shooting. Yeah. Give them, that could give them trouble. But anyway, I have Duke North Carolina in the most watched college basketball game in history. And Duke wins 78-74. And that is my prediction. You really, you really think more viewers than Bird Magic? Yes. And I understand the I understand the optics of the whole, you know, there weren't very many games for them or channels for them to watch, all that kind of stuff back then. I think so many people would tune into this game, it would just be a spectacle. If it were Duke, North Carolina, another rivalry game with Zion and RJ Barrett and Cameron Reddish. It, it, and I mean the last game was just so awesome. Oh man. yeah. No. Like it would it would pull in ridiculous amount of viewers. It it just feels like fate to me. It would just be such a big deal. But if I if you ask me, is it going to happen or no? Like if if I had the option, like yes versus the field, I would say no, obviously. But I pick that as like the most likely outcome of other outcomes, if that makes any sense. Now let me ask you this: the the argument today was, would you take Duke or the field? I have never in my life said one team versus the field. Yeah, even. Even with that undefeated Kentucky team, I well, I actually I specifically, yeah, I did yeah. not, I did not have them, them winning. Um, I had them losing to Notre Dame, and I was almost there. Okay, so that that question, that's the last question I have for you: Duke versus the field. If I had to put, uh, I would go with the Duke. field. I'd go with the field because of their shooting issues. If they didn't have as many shooting issues, I would, I would say Duke. But I will go with the field. I still think Duke will win the national championship. But if I'm if I'm picking Duke versus 67 other teams, if I if I'm actually putting money down on this Duke versus the field, you have to take the field. Exactly, it makes numbers. It, right, 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 right. But I'm really close to saying I'd pick Duke. A- ask me, ask me on on Friday after they demolish children, if I, <laughs> which is going to be awesome. Five minutes I, of of Zion Williamson I, kicking little school children. I cannot on wait. primetime TV. I cannot wait for it. I, I cannot just, wait him to clear somebody. Whatever happens, I'm excited for it. Destination Television, stop everything I'm doing. All right, this has been this has been our bracket predictions. This is now our long anticipated interview with our sponsor at underscore Merlin, Ethan Merlin. Welcome to the Carver Johnny Podcast. How you doing? Great. How are you? Doing all right. Sorry, it's taken so long to get you on a podcast. You would not believe. Actually, you would because you were helping me. Uh, how hard it is to <laughs> get a microphone or a, a phone call on a podcast it's been ridiculous I, i've had to follow like a 20-step process and for some reason we finally figured it out so um very excited to have you on i know it's uh long overdue but we're gonna talk about some stuff uh that you and i have been discussing a little bit on twitter and over text and uh you know i really looking forward to our conversation but let's uh let's start with your bracket i'd love to hear um what you're thinking for your bracket well, what do you want to know? My elite eight. Yeah, let's start with your or elite eight. Let, yeah, we'll we'll start with your elite eight, and we'll go from there. All right, I have Duke, okay. Michigan State, Gonzaga, Nevada, okay. and then on the right side, Virginia, Tennessee, Carolina, and Kentucky. All right, so I want to I want to go back to your East region. So you had okay, so you said you said Duke, yep. and who was the other team? Michigan State. You have Michigan State. So you went pretty chalk there. 
Um, tell me a little bit more about your Sweet yep. 16. Sweet 16, I had. Do you just want all of them? Yeah, sure. Why not? No, just for just for the or East. Ju- okay. Um, I have Duke and Virginia Tech, LSU and uh, Michigan State. Are you not concerned about Gonzaga uh, and? Uh, I was just gonna say just to go just to start with the East region. Are you not concerned about uh, LSU's recent you know difficulties? You know, I know that they. Uh, went out in the first round of the SEC tournament, and they seem pretty distracted. How do you feel about that? See, that can go like multiple ways. Um, they can have a first-round bounce to Yale, or I think they can make the Sweet 16. I mean, you can take something like that, like everything they've gone through, and kind of rally around it, which I think they – I'm kind of predicting that's what will happen. Um, I, but I don't know. Some people think – they can get beat by Yale in the first round, which would be disappointing. But right. I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. So for me, I actually had Yale not only beating LSU, but then I had them beating uh, the winner of the Belmont Temple game, which yesterday was Belmont. So I have Yale in my Sweet 16, which is really my upset prediction for the bracket. But I had Michigan State beating those two teams with the same Elite Eight. And your Final Four selection for the East region would be who? Uh, Duke and Michigan State. Wait for the no. Easter. So your your, fi- your final four oh, just final for the East region. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Duke. All Duke, right. Duke. So so you have Duke in your final four. I do as well. Uh, we're gonna go down to the West region, yep. and then can you tell me your lead eight again? Um, Gonzaga, Nevada. Okay, so you have Gonzaga, Nevada. Now, how do you get there? Because we have totally different lead eights. So talk talk to me about your Sweet Sixteen. Um. Okay, my Sweet 16 in the West, I have Gonzaga, uh, Murray State, okay, Tech, Texas, yep. Texas Tech, and then Nevada. So we have the exact opposite Sweet 16. So it sounds like we have the same round of 32, <laughs> but a completely different Sweet 16. So I have Syracuse, Florida State, because I have Florida State beating Murray State. I have Syracuse beating Gonzaga. Then I have Buffalo and Michigan. So you and I have a completely different... Elite Eight. That's amazing how that works. It's amazing how many combinations you can have for one. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So then you said your Elite Eight. Uh, right. You can tell me again. It was Gonzaga and uh, I believe you said Texas Tech. Nevada. Nevada. Okay. Nevada. So what do you like about Nevada? Um, I don't know. They have crazy energy. I've only seen them play a couple times, and they had a stretch where they were doing really good, and then a stretch where they were kind of cold. And I don't know. I'm just kind of predicting there and get hot again and once they get hot they get real hot and they're kind of a tough team to beat okay so you have and them the losing twins to Gonzaga, right? Are... yeah i do okay yeah sorry go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off oh i was just gonna say the uh twins are they get the martin martin twins caleb and cody right. mm-hmm. i really like them and i think they bring a lot of energy so okay kind of okay, expecting them to do something good all right, so let's go to the South region, and uh, I think it's actually easier to go Sweet 16 because it sounds like we have uh, a lot of differences in our bracket. So um, tell me your Sweet 16 for the South. Okay, I have Virginia. Yep. Wisconsin. Okay. St. Mary's. Yep. And Tennessee. All right, so we have the exact same Sweet 16 for the South. That's pretty interesting. Um, and then your Elite Eight is who? Awesome. 
Who's Virginia and Tennessee. Virginia and Tennessee. The same for me. And then who do you have in the final four? Tennessee. All right. So you've gone you've gone pretty chalk here. So you have uh so far we've got Duke, mm-hmm. Gonzaga, and Tennessee. So that's two ones and a two. Um all right, so I want to go to the Midwest and we'll go um with the sweet sixteen here for you in the Midwest. Tell me what you got. I have no upsets in the Midwest. So I have UNC, Kansas, uh, Iowa State, and then Kentucky. Well, so I have the same exact Sweet 16 as you in the Midwest as well, but there would be one upset. It would be Houston over Iowa State. In a sense, I guess that would be an upset of seeds. Um, How do you feel about Iowa State? Well, being in the Big 12, I've seen them quite a bit. And I don't know. They have, I think... Compared to Houston, because that's really the big game that we're talking about. And I just like their who they play, their schedule. And they played a lot of tough games, which you're bound to do in the Big 12. And I think that's going to help them out a lot in the okay. tournament. Okay. Um, t- talk to me about your Elite Eight, because remember, keep in mind that the uh, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight are in the Sprint Center, where Kansas and Iowa State both played in the Big 12 Championship. Uh, just a week ago. So, um, what is your elite eight for the Midwest? I have UNC and Kentucky. Okay, so the only difference I I have Iowa State upsetting Kentucky. Um, who's your final four pick then? Okay, UNC. It's UNC. Okay, so your final four is Duke, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and UNC. Mine is Duke, yes. Florida State, Tennessee, and UNC. So we have three of the four same Final Four. It sounds like we have a very similar bracket. Yeah, great minds think alike. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, so t- talk to me about your championship. What do you got in the championship? I have Duke and Carolina, which okay. is me only too. a dream and, and scenario who, for and who's your pick? a Duke fan. I have Duke by three. I have Duke by four. This is amazing. <laughs> Dang. Wait, wait, wait. So I have I have it 72-69. I have 78-74. Okay. That's that's pretty crazy. That's crazy. Wow. Great minds, I yeah. guess. Are there, are there any first-round upsets that you want to talk about? Um, anything, you know, with a double-digit seed? I know that you mentioned St. Mary's, and I did as well. I told you about my uh, opinion of mm-hmm. Yale. Um, are there any other double-digit upsets that you like in the first round? I have Murray State beating Marquette. I do as well. Okay, what what else? Um, you said St. Mary's, and then I have. Let me see. Well, no. Oh yeah, I have Arizona State beating Buffalo. Really? You have you watched Buffalo and, this year? Uh, no, I can say that with full certainty. I have not. Okay, so I, the, my there's thought... There's only one reason. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, there's only one reason for that, and it's because... Uh, oh, crap. Uh, my mind's going crazy. Coach. Uh, Hurley. Yeah, there you go. Okay, uh, yeah. Big, so Big fan of the Hurleys, so okay. I'm kind of just hoping that they win that. So for for my Buffalo pick, and in fact, I actually had them winning two games in this tournament, uh, I was thinking it's a highly experienced team that last year, not only did they upset Arizona, they completely outplayed them. 
um, and they kept DeAndre Ayton completely out of the game. So, um, you know, post play is not going to be an issue for Buffalo. They brought a lot of their guys back. They played extremely well this year. They were a ranked team at the end of the season. I mean, this team is for real. Um, and, and so I, I definitely okay. have them uh, as a team that can make some noise in the tournament. I just don't think that they can win more than two games. I don't have them beating Michigan. I think Michigan's just too athletic for them. But I do have Buffalo as one of the teams that I think uh, uh, should be considered a dangerous team in that lower part of the West region. Are there any other upsets that you have on your bracket? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. I, I went. I, I went a lot a of chalk year this year. Me. Yeah, I went. I went a lot of chalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with Yale because I'm always big on the Ivy League schools because I, I particularly Yale because they can shoot so well and I love their offensive uh, uh, fluidity and I like some of the sets that they run and I, I think that that's a really bad matchup for LSU and so it would not surprise me at all to see Yale not only win that game but whoever they play in the second round uh, Yale especially with their shooting and their uh, you know their, their offensive fluidity the way they're able to move the ball um, they could cause fits both for Maryland or Belmont so I have Yale in the Sweet 16. I don't think they could handle Michigan State, but uh, that would be certainly a, a run that would make sense in the East region for me. Yeah, um, I filled this out actually before the Belmont game. So did you say you had Belmont beating LSU? No, I have Yale beating LSU. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Do you have Belmont... Out of the first round? I do, yes. I have them beating Maryland. And then losing to Yale? Correct. Okay. Um, I don't know. I saw that Belmont game, and I was impressed. Uh, um, what's his name? Jaleel Jenkins? That man yes. is. He's different. I think yeah, I tweeted see, it, too. Yeah, we were, we, were, we were recording the podcast yesterday, uh, Kyle and I during the game, but, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I was watching the game. That kid's very impressive. Um, I, I just I just think the team ba- basketball that Yale plays, uh, and, and particularly their shooting all season, has been it's extremely impressive. I mean, they took Miami to school earlier in the season just because Miami wasn't ready for the, what's the word? They, they were very tight, you know, with their crisp passes and everything. Um, it, it reminded me a lot of, uh, of like, you know, the Spurs back in 2014 where they're whipping the ball around the perimeter, uh, lots of cutting, lots of off ball okay. movement. I was just extremely impressed with, with Yale and their offensive sets, but I, I could be wrong. I mean, um, I, I fall under the Ivy league trap every single year. I always have them winning a game. So, um, you know, and I've been right a lot of times, so it's not, not the first time that I felt this way. So we've got your bracket. Um, and, and I want to introduce you a little bit better than I did before, because so far this interview, uh, we just hit the ground running and, you know, we've had so many audio problems that I just wanted to get, get it flowing a little bit. And I apologize <laughs> to the listeners that I wasn't able to tell you who Ethan is. So Ethan, talk, talk about yourself and your basketball background. Cause you have a very impressive background. Um, so I'm a sophomore at Oklahoma state university in Stillwater. I'm a student manager I've, this is my first year, so I only have one year of experience under here, but I don't know. Fell in love with basketball in about sixth grade. Decided decided pretty early I wanted to do something with basketball. Um, it actually wasn't until my senior year when I said, fine, I'll coach. That's kind of where I decided I wanted to go. Before that, it was more on the uh, front office side, 
is what I was considering, but I don't know. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Just okay. trying to learn as much as I can. No, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and I know that you've talked about, you said your dream job, if you could have any job would be to someday be the Duke coach, right? For sure. Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk oh, about yeah. Duke in a little bit, but first I want to go back to the brackets a little bit. Um, you know, when you make your bracket predictions, how do you go about it? What is your what is your strategy? So, I look at the games I've seen and the teams I've seen first. Um, if I'm familiar with the team, I'm going to be more comfortable picking them. Which is why I wouldn't have picked Buffalo. And you asked me if I'd seen them play, and I told you I haven't. Um, but in conference. So I'm kind of biased towards the Big 12, be, having seen a lot of Big 12 games. Um, but the ACC, I'm going to be more likely to pick a team out of the ACC because they just play at higher quality teams. And I think that even if you lose some of those games, I think that helps in the long run. So conference and then coaching. I look at coaches a lot. I mean, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. So I'm, I focus in on who the head man is and how they run their stuff and discipline. So that's kind yeah. of the three main points I look at. Yeah, that's something that's completely overlooked. I mean, particularly in the NCAA tournament where it's a completely chaotic situation you have random teams playing other random teams where they may not even know who their mascot is, right? And they're going into random regions right. of the country. They're traveling constantly, playing with one day's rest and one day's preparation. And you have to have a coach who's able to adjust on the fly. And so a good X's and O's coach can be a significant advantage. And I think that's why Brad Stevens succeeded so well in the NCAA tournament was because he was able to adjust quickly, change their offenses. They always had a very intelligent team. And that's what I look for as well. So I, I find that very interesting that you're, you've picked on, up on that. Um, that's something that should not be overlooked. Uh, another thing I thought that was really interesting just because I thought it was really honest is you said that you don't typically pick teams that you don't watch. I think that you're not the only person in the country that feels that way. Um, and, and look, I mean, right. this is all a crapshoot because, uh, what is it? How many trillion different options you can have for the NCAA tournament for a bracket? I mean, it's, it's crazy. There's uh, in, almost an infinity amount of, uh, an infinite amount of different, you know, bracket predictions you could have, but, uh, it, it really all depends on the sphere of, of viewership you've had throughout the season. And so what I try to do is watch as much, uh, basketball as I can throughout the season and, and try to spread around my viewership a little bit just so I can have a feel for different teams. Yet, even though I do that, I mean, there's so many matchups I get wrong. And, and here's a great example. So I like St. Mary's quite a bit, but I also like Villanova. And so I felt that way coming into the tournament. I said, well, I think those are two teams that could make a great run. But in the first round, they were pinned against each other. So if Villanova were to beat St. Mary's by one or two possessions, then I would think that Villanova can make a run to any length, and it wouldn't surprise me just because they have such a great coach. So it's really hard to pick these games because if you're just barely wrong, it can completely trash your bracket, and you might as well put it in the shredder. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that, that's something I found so interesting. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that, that's all I got. That's all I got. Okay. Um, I was going to mention, so you said Villanova. We played Villanova 
right earlier in the year, which I haven't seen much lately. But what what I saw then, I don't know. I'm not a real believer in what they have going, and I love uh, Jay Wright, and I think they do what they do well. But I don't know. I wasn't too when, impressed. When did you watch them play? When, when was when was that game? Or I mean, that's non-conference. The Oklahoma State game. Yeah. So yeah, that was non-conference early in October, I think. Oh, okay. So that was pretty early in the yeah I can't, October November oh, yeah. would be pretty early in the season. So. Um, you know, I, I think they might've grown cause I started watching them around January or February and I was feeling like they were starting to get some stuff together. I know that they're a relatively young team and, uh, they have a lot of guys that are still trying to find their roles and, and, and try to fit into that system. And they don't have quite the same shooting as they've had in the past, but it'll be interesting to see how they play against St. Mary's. That's that. I think that that's the, uh, matchup that I'm looking forward to the most in the first round. What about you? What, what is your favorite matchup? Ooh, my favorite matchup, um, probably that Marquette Murray State game. Interesting. Why? Um, I really, I really like Marquette, but I just think is it Jay or Jaw? It's Jaw. Yeah, I believe it's Jaw. Ja okay, I really like. I mean, he's a he's one of those guys that can he can spark a run just by his play, just by his play, um, and I think. That's going to be interesting. Who who's Marquette's uh, Marcus Howard? Is that his name? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. See, I think that's going to be a really good individual matchup, and I don't. I think they might guard each other. I'm not sure, but I don't know. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, another matchup that I'm looking at. Uh, obviously, I said L, uh, LSU Yale is one that I'm looking forward to um, in the first round. Just taking a quick look here. How about Nevada, Florida? That was one I really struggled with. What What about you? I don't see. I haven't watched a lot of Florida. I do like, I think the SEC was strong this year, and that could play into their favor because they've played those big games. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it'll be a fun game. All these games are going to be fun to watch because it's just a tournament. I mean, I'll right. enjoy all of it, but right. I don't know. I, I, I think Nevada could win that game pretty easily but i mean it's a tournament they could also lose by 15 so i don't know another one that i like too is utah state washington so washington has played well recently but utah state has some pretty impressive wins um for example beating nevada this season i I, that's another one where i went back and forth for a very long time trying to decide who would win this game and if the winner is washington i think they could give north carolina some trouble what do you think um, no, <laughs> if Washington wins, I, I like North Carolina. I mean, okay. I don't like North Carolina being a Duke fan, but I like North Carolina being a basketball fan. I mean, they're, they're good. No, I like the honesty. Um, okay. So I want to turn to I your mean, <laughs> favorite NCAA tournament moments in your lifetime. Do you have a couple that you'd like to share? Um, yeah. Uh, the Florida Gulf coast run. Was it to the Elite Eight? Yes. Brett Comer. I think. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we actually, our video coordinator at OSU was a manager on that team. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's really cool. 
Um, okay. But yeah, that was fun to watch. Um, they were just a really fun team to watch. They kind of flew around and had a lot of good transition moments that are on a lot of videos you can look up and see. But another right, one Dunk is City, yeah. RJ Hunter. Yes. Um, so this is this is RJ my all time favorite game winner. Yep. With his dad falling on the floor. Oh yeah. No, we we talked about that a little bit on the first podcast that Kyle and I did. That's one of my favorite all time sports moments in general. Um, I, I don't know. Everything was perfect about it. The son hitting the game winning shot. You know the the father falling over on his scooter. I mean, it was just a perfect NCAA tournament mm-hmm. moment. I loved it. Um, another one that I always remember is the Ali Farouk Manesh shot against Kansas in the second round of the tournament for Iowa State. Do you remember that by chance? What year would that have been? In 2009. Nope. Um, yeah, so, yeah <laughs> that, that, that was a, that was a big a one. K- from my experience. So KU was the number one seed, and a player by the name of Ali Farouk Manesh, I hope that I'm pronouncing that right, pulled up in transition from three with no rebounders and and shot a three and sealed the game that way when I think they're only up by one. And so it was a very risky shot for him to shoot instead of, you know, pulling out and, and waiting to be fouled as the, the game was winding down. You know, that was a very interesting and wild moment that I'll never forget from the NCAA tournament. So those were the two that I wrote down of uh, as favorite tournament moments that came to mind for me. Um, so I want to turn a little bit to your thoughts on the UNC Duke ACC tournament game, particularly because I know you're a big Duke fan. Um, what did you think of that game? Is there anything that you saw different from Duke uh, playing with Zion that third time versus the other two matchups they had together? Um, I think they play with a lot more energy with Zion and confidence. Um, defensively, they're way stronger with him than without him, and they had six blocks as a team. So it's almost like he puts fear, which I think I've seen, maybe you've retweeted tweets saying, he literally puts fear in the eyes of the opponents. And it's just kind of awesome to watch, but at the same time, it's like, what can Carolina do? Right. I don't know. It's yeah, special. One thing that really concerns me is that of the 68 teams in the field, Duke is the worst three-point shooting team of those 68 teams. Does that concern you for Duke <laughs> in the NCAA tournament? It it does, but at the same time, I know they can shoot, which is kind of tough because statistically you could say, well, they can't shoot, but I think they can knock down shots when they need to, and they showed that against in the comeback against Louisville. Um, UNC, though, they shot 14.8% from three. So, which is what I have. I, don't, I guess I'm assuming that's accurate. Mm-hmm. So I think their defense, which I mentioned with Zion, is a lot better. But I don't know. I think they kind of make up for it with how long they are around the perimeter. And they can make it tough for other teams to shoot as well. Yeah, so uh, another thing that I wanted to cover with you is that their identity has changed pretty significantly with Zion returning to the team as opposed to when R.J. Barrett was their leading scorer as Zion was off the team with his injury for a couple weeks. How do you think that uh, R.J. Barrett will handle that going forward? Because that's a, a pretty significant change for him 
um, as somebody who is more than capable of being the scoring leader of this team to now where he has to take a backseat to Zion in many situations. How do you feel like that um, is going to fit? Do you think it will hurt the team, help the team? Um, do you think that they can get that chemistry uh, to continue to flow? Yeah, I think they actually flow better with Zion. When he was out, it seemed like they ran stuff to get the ball into RJ's hands and into spots he likes, um, particularly on the left wing. Um, I don't know. I think they just, for him, like mentally, I think it would take uh, some off of him mentally with Zion because he's going to know he, there's less pressure, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. And less attention on him. I don't know. I think they just, but they run stuff more as a team with Zion. Whereas I think before it was more, let's just try to get RJ the ball in his spots where he, that he likes. Okay. Um, let's switch to the NBA a little bit. I know you say that you don't get a chance to watch a whole lot of NBA, but I do want to get your Eastern conference predictions particularly, uh, because that's something that a lot of people have been talking about. Who do you have winning the NBA Eastern Conference and why? I have Boston. Um, we agree. So I, I'm Stevens. curious. As, okay. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, Brad Stevens. He's, I think, in the playoffs, coaching uh, is magnified. And I don't know. I mean, he's the best coach in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, you know, and they have a lot one, of talent. Yeah. One, one it, thing that's interesting about coaching in – the NBA that's different than March Madness is that coaching is important for a different reason because you're playing in a seven game series. And so you get used to what the other team is doing. And so you have to adjust on the fly for that reason. So, um, you know, instead of it being a new opponent that you're not used to, it's the opposite. It's a, an, an opponent that you're very used to. And so, uh, it involves a different kind of coaching that Brad Stevens has already shown that he can, uh, definitely impact positively. So I, I agree with you. I think they're going to figure this out. I think they have a tremendous amount of talent. Uh, I think they're the most talented team in the Eastern Conference, and I think that they have the right pieces together, where as long as they stay healthy, they should be the team to beat in the East. And I, I felt the same way at the beginning of the season as I do now. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit more um, about your local team there, Oklahoma City, the Thunder. Do you watch the Thunder at all? I do, and I don't. Uh, my roommate's a big Thunder fan, so it's on kind of all the time I'm just not really sitting down focused on it like he is I don't I don't know I'm kind of conflicted because being the hometown team um I want them to be successful but even back when they had they made it to the finals with Durant Harden and Westbrook um Serge Ibaka okay I'm not going to try to name more players after that but I just they were fun to watch but I didn't. I'm not a huge fan of their culture, and I what can't really mean? describe that further. I mean, it's kind of hard. I don't know. I'm. It's kind of opposite of Duke. Um, so it's like I look at Duke and I'm like, it's a brand of excellence. That's kind of how I view it. It's kind of like Alabama football, um, or the Patriots. So it's like with Oklahoma City, it's kind of not sloppy, but inconsistent at times. And I think that's, which I love Sam Presti and he can get 
any trade to go through, it seems like. But I don't know. There's just something weird where I haven't ever just fallen completely in love with the franchise as a whole. That being said, (laughs) I do want them to win a championship, but more for the state of Oklahoma because I think we're underrated as a fan base. And I don't know. Some people want the Thunder be to be taken out of Oklahoma City. And like, well, I've heard, I guess, no, I guess I've heard that Seattle should have never moved to Oklahoma City. Right. And, right. and I think, because... I think that's more of a, uh, a testament to the large market of Seattle and how uh, passionate Seattle, that fan base yep. has been, especially for basketball. But, you know, I can say from personal experience, the games that I've been to, uh, in Oklahoma City have been some of my favorite basketball games I've ever been to. I mean, it's almost like a college atmosphere. Um, and, and it's really fun to go right. to those games at Oklahoma City just because of the loud crowd. I was there for uh, Durant's homecoming the first time that Durant came home uh, and played Ooh. at Oklahoma City with the Golden State Warriors, and, and it was very loud, very passionate. Um, you know, I, I find it interesting you talk about their culture you know they they handle the the media quite differently than other teams do. But other than that, I, I don't really know a whole lot about their culture in general. Um, I think what you're trying to say is that you wish that they had more. Um, what's the word? Uh, discipline is that? Do you you wish they had more discipline? Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. Okay. I don't. It's it's really hard to explain because I've tried to explain it to my roommate. And I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm, it's not appealing to me, which the NBA is kind of, it's kind of a star studded league. So that in itself isn't very appealing to me, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. Well, I think that Russ, Russell Westbrook plays a very harsh style of basketball. Um, And one of the positives about him is that he plays as hard as any NBA player I've ever seen, but you know, from a visual standpoint, it's a very harsh style in the sense that it's all over the place. Sometimes it can be wild and erratic. You know, perhaps that's what you're pointing to. And and I could understand that as a fan um, for that to not appeal to someone and, and it appeals to others. So, uh, no, I just kind of find that interesting where, you know, people differ on that. I, I don't really have an opinion either way. Um, but I, I have heard both sides where people love watching the Oklahoma City Thunder because of how hard they try. And then other people feel the same way that you do. Um, okay, so another question I wanted to ask you about is the NBA MVP. Do you have a choice, in your opinion, of who should win that award? Um, yeah. I like Paul George. Um, I don't know where he stands. Like, what are his odds? Do you know? It's somewhat low. I would I would probably have him third in my voting. Um, I mean, okay. James Harden's averaging, like, over 35 points a game. And you have uh, Giannis that's going like twenty seven and twenty seven and thirteen. I mean that's pretty ridiculous, right? So yeah, yeah so I I don't I don't my, think it's very likely. But here's what I will I say. Fit, so like, if I had it my way, <laughs> I, sorry, I would have Paul George because I do want to point out. Um, I actually saw this version of Paul George when he was playing LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals, I knew, I said it from the beginning, I think he could be special. And I still don't think he's fully there yet. I mean, as far as statistics go, I think he can, he has more to give. 
Right, right. And uh, here's one thing that I find interesting. I think that he has improved as much as any NBA player I could think of. I would actually give him the most improved player award because his minutes haven't increased, but his production has increased in almost every statistical category. And I would also consider him right. a possible candidate for defensive player of the year. I know that they like to give that award to rim protectors, but in my opinion, I think that this time they could give it to Paul George just for his improvement and efficiency as a perimeter defender. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, All right. Uh, I do so, think, oh, sorry. Go sorry. Ahead. I do think, sorry, we're cutting each other off. Um, I do think Giannis will win. That that was my like most likely to win it. I think it's kind of the, which Harden's only won once, but it's kind of the, I think we're, t- I'm tired of Harden in a way. Um, and I'm kind of used to Harden and what he can do. And Giannis is kind of the, Sexy pick, I guess, is the right way to say it. Right. I, I see what you mean, yes. But, yeah, that's all. I just want to throw that in there real quick. Okay. Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about, because you and I spoke about this in detail um, over direct messages, I got you to watch A Star is Born, and I know you're a big movie buff, and I want to hear your opinion on this, because my opinion is that it is, at the very least – a top five movie that I've seen in my lifetime. And we're talking about the current version uh, with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Do you have any opinions that you'd like to share about that movie now that you've seen it? It would, I'm not ready to put it in my top five, um, which top five is weird. Cause is it your top five favorite or just the top five best movies? I, um, I would consider it both to be honest with you. I would put it in both. Right. See, it might okay. It might be the top five best movie I've seen, but favorite for me, it might be just outside. I don't know. It's definitely top ten though. Um, man, I do have notes. I have a list of notes. I don't know if you want me to rattle. Yeah, go through for them. it. No, go for it. This is this is what the podcast is for. It's this is this is your podcast. You are All the right. sponsor, so you're in charge. <laughs> give it. Give me what you got. All right. So first off, I think. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Lady Gaga gets casted again soon. She was phenomenal. And, I mean, you can jump in whenever you want. No, go uh, ahead. But, yeah, Lady Gaga, I think she'll be in more movies. And I think I think I watched the, uh, like, extended – it was more like a behind-the-scenes thing. And she was talking about how she's tried to get into movies for a while now and – Bradley Cooper gave her a shot and how much she appreciated it. And I think, I don't know, it, it's going to pay off for her. Um, another thing is, it didn't, and I mentioned it to you, it didn't try to be like multi-themed. Uh, I see a lot of movies try to hit on so many different things and it, it kind of just gets, they get lost. This one, right. it could have focused on, it focused on Jack's alcoholism, but it could have, very well went deeper into his brother's drama, his drama with his brother and his family, or, uh, okay, I'm blanking out on her name, but Lady Gaga's manager, how he was kind of trying to get Jack out of the picture and stuff. And it, it could have done went a lot of different ways, but it kind of stuck to Jack's alcoholism and how it affected, okay, I'm, I'm blanking out her name. What's her name? Uh, in the movie? 
Yes. Oh gosh. Now I'm blanking out. I know, I am too. It's okay. Just continue. Sorry. Just 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 keep calling her. Anyways, Gaga. um, <laughs> yeah, Gaga. Um. Oh, but yeah. So, best in movie music I've seen or heard ever. Which there aren't a lot of other movies that are. I mean, I don't know. My mom would say like, "Oh, what's that movie with?" I can't even think of what it's called. I don't know. There's a lot of movies that are kind of musical, but this one was, I mean, the music in the movie was really good. And I've heard it first. I heard the music, the soundtrack outside, like without watching the movie. And I was like, Oh yeah, there's some good songs, but watching it in the movie, it was really, really good. Um, I just remember her name is Sam Allie Elliott in the movie, by the way, <laughs> Allie. Yes. Yes. There you go. Um, but yeah, Sam Elliott who played Bobby, uh, Jack's brother, he right. was phenomenal. And I've heard some things of him getting the best, uh, uh, what do they call it, like? Supporting actor? Uh, supporting actor, yes. Um, and I think he deserved it. He was really, really good for the short time he was actually in the movie. And my last thing is, I think this can be listed as a romantic comedy, which I love. Um, drama, uh, a sing-along. Um, but it's not a chick flick, which I've seen some people say that they thought it was a chick flick, and I couldn't disagree more. I mean, Agreed. if a Agreed. guy can't sit down and watch, uh, yeah, if they can't sit, sit down and watch this, then I don't know. They need to check themselves because <laughs> I loved it. It was really, really good. Yeah. Well, anyway, I really appreciate you having uh, you coming on the podcast and especially for being a sponsor, Ethan. Uh, we will have you on again at the podcast at some point because now we have two microphones and we know how to hook up a call on a podcast, which is something I did not know how to do before. But thank you for so much for uh, for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me.